welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We are back for another week of women's football chat. It is a good week. It's always a good week when we've got some dub to talk about. So let's crack straight into it. Unfortunately, we are down a member this week. She needs her beauty sleep. So no Sam Lewis this week. Instead, you'll be stuck with me, Marissa Lodanik, Anna Harrington and Angela Christian Wilkes. We promise to keep it only mildly obnoxiously Victorian in Sam's absence, but only only just a little less obnoxiously Victorian. But um, let's crack straight into some chat. We've got lots of dub to talk about. Some huge games uh, happened over this past weekend. So let's start things off with some you love to see it. Angela, do you want to kick us off with a you love to see it? I sure do. Um, Yeah, this week you love to see a trifecta of 18-year-olds scoring their debut goals um, in the dub. And it was real, real cute. So that was – and they were all on Friday night as well. Um, we had Kirsty Fenton at Newcastle who had a cracking game last week. Unfortunately, she did have to come off this game with an ankle injury, it sounds like. But that was – before that, she scored her first goal. It was one of those um, cross – that turned into a goal. She looked stunned. It was a wonderful time for all, you know, real like eyes closed, head first, can't can't lose sort of situation. And then um, Ava Pritchard got one back for the Knicks in that same game. So Knicks is one goal to New Year's five, but we'll get into that later. And then we had Alana Janczewski score her debut goal for Perth later that evening, which was real cute as well. And also another kind of just giving it a crack, see how it goes. And it, and it went went pretty well for Perth, I'd say. So, yeah, really excellent to see the kids basically scoring heaps of goals. Um, yeah, you love to see it. I did the same thing last week as well. Maybe this will just be my, my thing. But More kids scored. It's valid. It counts. And we did love to see it because we do love seeing all the kiddies get involved. I'm going to jump in with a... You love to see it. I'm going to take us to Mexico because we never go there. But um, the recent Liga MX Femenil semifinals took place and Tigres beat uh, America 4-0. And the first goal in that game was an absolute banger scored by Liliana Mercado. It is so beautiful. I've retweeted it. Please go watch it. She just hits it with such power right into the top bins. She makes the goalkeeper look like a fool, if I'm being completely honest. It's just such a good goal. And there was 25,000 people in that stadium. It's incredible. Every year the Liga MX finals kind of pop up. I mean, you just see incredible goals, so much passion, enormous crowds, and it's absolutely stunning. So her goal in particular was spectacular. Definitely go give it a look-see. But um, Liliana Mercado, you absolutely love to see it. Harry, what do you love to see this weekend? I love to see um, on her return to Australian shores again, Alex Chidiak give everyone a nice little reminder of what she can do um, going to it. It took, took a bit of time, I think, to click in midfield with victory with Kyra Cooney-Cross, but in the second half um, really came to the fore. She went on this amazing run, rode a challenge, just kept going. It was some really just delightful like close control kept going and then slipped through this lovely ball for Catherine Zimmerman, who is as lethal as any striker going around um, in in the dub at the moment. And Zimmerman scored the equaliser against Melbourne City. So, yeah, as I said, Alex Chidiak just reminding everyone of the quality she has and uh, what she can do. You love to see it. We do love to see it. And I reckon Tilly's hat's on 
we love to see her playing, you know, a lot of minutes, doing good things, showing us what she's all about, that we all knew she was, but being able to actually showcase it in a game, absolutely fantastic. But Chits is a good place to start because we had two derbies in the dub this weekend, the Melbourne derby and the Sydney derby. Sydney FC and Melbourne Victory ended up taking the Chockeys in those respective games. So that's where we'll kind of focus this week. We'll start with the Melbourne derby because of the the current panel of... Because of who we are as people. (laughs) Because of who we are as people, absolutely. And also because the three of us were all at this game. So let's talk a little bit about this game. Victory 2, City 1 was a real slog, kind of tense game in that first half, a real kind of... Not a good good half, was it? (laughs) It, I'm trying to be polite here, but yes, it 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 was a grind, but things really opened up in that second half and we had some really spectacular goals. So Haram, keen on your assessment from a, a broad perspective on that game. Yeah, well, obviously um, City took the lead. I don't want to say full-blown against the run of play, but I don't think we're, they sort of settled better and then we saw Casey Dumont had to have some treatment at some point. She was okay and Victory kind of got a foothold in the game. Um, Hannah Wilkinson missed uh, a one-on-one in the 17th minute and then City took the lead in relatively fortuitous circumstances. We know Amy Jackson was deputising for Kayla Morrison, who's out for the season. She was playing centre-back, um, which she hasn't done in a few years. And, and Jeff Hopkins said as much post-match. Had the misfortune of just not quite getting ahead of right, and it's ended up in the back of her own net. Um, would have been quite the finish had it been at the other end. Um and yeah, City were up 1-0 at halftime, but it was interesting. Um, post-match, Rado Vidasic actually said, he thought they were always going to hit a wall um, and then he thought that might happen and it, it happened around the time it did, that sort of 60-minute mark, which, amazingly, a couple of minutes later, Lynn Williams gets introduced into the game. She was carrying a knock, um, but so Victory wanted to be cautious and then obviously a goal down in the derby, you throw a bit of caution to the wind and they brought her on and she just settled everything. Um the thing that I noticed was very early on she played a played a one-two with I think it was I think it was Courtney Nevin, like just a really easy, um, sort of straightforward, just get the ball a couple of times. And then as she grew into the game, it just sort of it was almost it wasn't hitting the panic button, but for Victory it sort of felt like it just added a bit of a calming influence, getting someone on the pitch who could just, you know, slow the game down a bit and watch it all happen and bring some leadership to the field. And I think that really helped them. And obviously, as we know, I mentioned Alex Chidiak. Um, it feels like that it's maybe a risk that they're taking early victory. They just wanted to bed someone like Chidiak in. Apparently, she's done really well at training, but it's always going to take time for them to settle. Um, and it felt like it sort of clicked a bit more in that second half. Kara Kunikross took the game on a little bit more from that deeper position. Chidiak showed a bit of what she could do and two goals in the space of six minutes and um and game over and uh, obviously Jackson finished off the game by getting sent off in the 88th minute um, so on paper not a great day for her own goal red card but it kind of summed up I saw a couple of good tweets about this the sort of attitude that that team that victory has I think it was friend of the pod Taryn actually said like you've got someone like an Amy Jackson who in the 88th minute make the tackle as the last defender cop the red card and it was a red card because it was the last as the last player and um, Victory had to defend with 10 for a while and then it was, but they managed to hold on. It was, as you said, Marissa, it was a grind. 
but it, it was one that I thought just spoke volumes as to the quality victory we're able to bring on. Jeff Hopkins post-match basically said there's still a lot to work on, but when it all clicks and the quote was, it's going to be awesome. Like we're going to be awesome. And you got little glimpses of that. I know they've only got Lynn Williams for so long, um, the the five games or something in total. And I'm not sure how long they actually get Alex Chidiak for, but it feels like they can sort of build. But for me, the big question it raised again is how do you fill the Kayla Morrison sized hole in this team? And that's in more than one respect. Um, you obviously have her as a class centre-back. You have her as a captain and leader. And victory looked a little rudderless early. I think then they sort of settled and found, found their feet a bit. And also, like, who can fill that role? Because Amy Jackson largely did well, bar the own goal, like, was fine at centre-back. But I thought they really missed Amy Jackson in midfield, which was something Jeff had, you know, mentioned during the week. Like, if you take Amy Jackson out of midfield, you're going to miss her. And I thought the midfield three initially of Chidiak Cooney Cross and Barbieri really lacked potency and drive. Um, I think they won't have Jackson this week, obviously, but I think they'd prefer to probably have her in that midfield, providing that extra grunt, that extra sort of defensive solidity to to really knuckle things down. But, yeah, if they do that, they'll have to maybe turn to an Emma Robers or shift Courtney Nevin central. It's, it's just a thing that's going to keep – unless they – pull one out of the hat and sign a centre-back, it's it's going to be the question that I think dominates at least the first few weeks of this season. Um, Angela, you were watching on as well. I'd be interested to see your thoughts on, on victory, but also City, who I thought generally gave a pretty good account of themselves. Yeah, um, I find it really interesting you noted that Lynn Williams calmed things down, and I think when I imagine Lynn Williams, I sort of imagine just... Th- I don't know, like what it, you know, in, in cartoons with the race car and it's just got the puffs of, you know, like that's that's what I imagine when I think of Lynn Williams because she's just got such searing pace and that's what she's really good at. But you're absolutely right. She definitely, yeah, brought brought it down a notch and was working hard to like keep the ball instead of just going for trying to create the opportunity that wouldn't be on. Um, yeah, and that's a really good point, Re Amy Jackson, and I think as well that midfield. Um, so Chid's obviously newly into the fold, Kara Cooney cross, a similar situation, I guess, to what we have at the Matildas level in terms of she'll do the job in a pinch, but she's actually much more lethal further up the field. And we will be talking about Emily Van Egmond in a second. Um, and same with Barberi as well. Like, I think she's really, really come along over the past, I think last season, but she's, they're still quite young. And so if you take Amy Jackson and you put her in that defensive line, then you're missing that leadership and that, um, I guess her ability to lead from that defensive mid role, you lose that, um, when she's in the defensive line. And it's a similar thing as well. Again, I think they'll be able to put something together in terms of the defensive line, but what what expertise and experience will be lacking in other areas of the field will be the question. I think, and we talked a lot about that last week um, in in lieu of Kayla Morrison missing the rest of the season. So, yeah, it was an interesting one. City, they're plucky. I will give them that. I don't think they're playing the kind of football that I'm used to really seeing from them, but it's actually... And it's not necessarily enjoyable football, but they have a lot of, I guess, they're very organised and they 
well, just they just made a nuisance of themselves. And I think that was the point. They just didn't let victory play their game. Um, and so I think if they take that, again, we saw it last week with Canberra, if they take that to other teams and they just wait it out and bide their time, they will be winning games um, um, very shortly, I'm sure. And they actually look like quite a strong contender for that sort of elusive third or fourth spot that we've got, question, I guess, question marks. It's it's pretty early on, but, like, yeah, that that part of the table. So, yeah, they were interesting. And I think that the um, there's quite a lot of quality in their forward line as well. So Policino, Holly McNamara, a lot of quality there, um, which, yeah, again, should be good. Hannah Wilkinson should have, yeah, she should have gotten that was that that had had given me the jitters that opportunity that she had one on one and I don't think she'll be missing another one like that this season um because that could really have changed the game if that had gone into the back of the net but yeah um I don't know if that really summarized much about City but they're they're being pesky they're breaking play up they're they're fierce and they yeah I think that that will pay off it was interesting Rado post-match did mention the fact that they had a bunch of teenagers on the field by the end of the game and they are trying to bring a few of them through. So it feels like there is an element of trying to get this group working together. And I like what you said, McNamara obviously scored that banger last week and Polichina looked really lively at times. Wilkinson, it seems like she's getting in the right areas. It's just that composure. I think Rado said she sort of tried to hit it with the laces rather (laughs) rather than the right part of her boot, but these things happen. But, yeah, they feel like, to me, a real contender to make the four just because they're generally pretty defensively astute. I thought they um, they matched up really well against, against victory, especially early, just in terms of not so much in terms of creating things themselves but stifling victory's attack, particularly in that first half. The, um, the back three slash five um, worked, worked really well, worked really hard, and that was a real positive um, for them. And obviously they have... Um, Melissa Barbieri behind them is, um, you know, one of the most experienced leaders in the in the competition. So I thought there was quite a bit to like about them, just very resolute. Um, they are going to have to see out games better than that. Uh, we know that we know that it was tough the preseason for teams in Victoria and I think New South Wales as well in terms of getting friendlies away. Victory have mentioned that as well, but they're just going to have to try and settle in. They've got one when we're unlucky maybe to to lose this one, but. Yeah, I think they'll um they'll be a team to really watch out for Adelaide at home this week, and they've got a decent run of games in Melbourne. Um, it'll be I'm going to be really interested to see what happens once the league sort of opens up a bit more in terms of games. The New South Wales teams playing Victorian teams and that sort of thing. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention was I'm surprised Angela didn't was um Polly Doran's run for the second goal was was wonderful. Just another example of I love when a player and. Caitlin Ford's one of my favourite players to watch because of this, can just ride challenges, just sort of, you know, like parting the sea sort of thing, like players fall around, fall on the ground behind them, that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, much like Chidiak for the first goal, Polly Doran's run for the second goal, just that bit of strength that she maybe wouldn't have had a couple of years ago and that confidence to just brush off the defender and put the ball through. And I think Catherine Zimmerman had a ping at trying to score at the near post and sort of didn't quite manage to hook it. Um, but Lynn Williams is obviously in the right place, right time to bury the second goal. But yeah, the the dare and the dash from Polly Doran was really good. I, I don't know if she was one of the players that got a rev up at halftime after a quiet first half, but um, they really rate her at victory and she certainly showed that. So 
yeah, it was a, uh, as we said, not the not the most thrilling of first halves, but the second half probably probably made up for it. Um, I don't know how much we learned about either of these teams though um, that we didn't already know, Marissa. Just quickly, I also wanted to know. I guess what you were saying earlier, Harrow, about um, just like throwing Chids and Lynn Williams on, I think. Um, that makes a lot of sense in the context of this team. Like Jeff Hopkins obviously knows that it's going to look a little bit scrappy to start with, but you just have to do that and get over that, that those teething issues for them to reap the rewards sooner. Um, and I guess that's also one of the strengths for this city side. I actually do really like that they didn't, I guess, they sort of remind me, it's not a great comparison now that I think about it, but they're coming into this season sort of like how Victory were coming into um, their sort of early run of, with Hopkins a few years ago, just rebuilding things up and making sure that they keep in the same stable squad and investing in those younger players. And I think, again, it might not be – it should pay off this season, but if they can keep doing that consistently and then also potentially further down the track, terrifyingly bring in those good players again if the W League – sorry, A-League women ever returns to that, that will be an interesting thing for them to have that strong development side of things and be able to, you know, lure in the exciting signings. Just to round that out, it was interesting Rado even said post-match, like even in that star-studded City team that went unbeaten a couple of years back that, you know, was just dominant and full of Matildas, he was like, well, we had a draw in like Newcastle and got away with a late penalty against Canberra in the first couple of games of that season. So it's, it's normal for teams to sort of maybe stutter their way through the start of a season. So yeah, it's worth probably us keeping that in mind as we, as we look through these, these early rounds of the season, because um, there's certainly going to be some teething issues, I think, across the league. And you have no choice, but to just deal with it because of the length of the season as well. So um, it will be intriguing to see how it, um, if we ever get a full home and away, when when we get a full home and away, how the textures of these early games, what they will look like. A team that does seem to be just flying, it's real normal programming for them, Sydney FC beating the Wanderers in the Sydney Derby again. They, they do it all the time. They looked really good. Again, Remy Seamson has been having an absolute flying flying start to this season, scored both of the goals for Sydney FC against the Wanderers. What more can we kind of say about Sydney? It seems like they've they've handled the kind of losses um, from last season well so far. Again, very small sample size, but it seems like things are ticking along nicely over in Sydney. Remy Seamson, um, we mentioned Courtney Vine last week. Um, you do see it sometimes when players get a national team call up or make the national team debut, that confidence flows through. And Remy Seamson such a fascinating player to me because of the sort of up and down journey she's had, like when she went to the Wanderers and she went to the second tier um, US comp and it just all just did not work out and it went badly and she barely played at the Wanderers. It just really like the effectively went back to Sydney tail between legs. Um, Maybe that's not how it played out, but you know, like on the surface, that's how it looks. And she turned things around again and she's still so young and she had a really good season last year. Uh, Got Matilda's call up as, you know, made her debut, got some little bit of minutes here and there for national team. And 
goals there, one was more straightforward, but the absolute banger that we're talking about where she has just hooked it into the top corner, like so casually, like just a delightful goal. That's, that's the sort of goal you score when you're playing with confidence. You don't try that stuff. Like, you know, you can sometimes try the first time hit from distance if you're lacking confidence because you just try and, you know, kick the leather out of it. But like, that was like with finesse. She was genuinely meaning that she's sized it up and gone, Oh yeah, I can pick out the top corner and it's just flown in beautifully. So that's, that's a really exciting thing for Sydney. Cause if you've got a striker who's high on confidence, like priceless. So she's been fantastic. Um, we obviously mentioned Courtney Vine last week, who feels like a player. I don't want to say with a point to prove, but like she's showing what she can do. Like she was so impressive last season before that really untimely injury just curtailed her season. And um has really kicked on again. Like last week was obviously the one of the players of the round, I'd say, just had a hand in three goals, including scoring one. And when you've got that much quality in your front three and we know what, what Princess Abini can bring as well, that that goes a long way towards solving some problems because your opponent's always got to figure out what to do with those players. Um, and, yeah, to their credit, they've, they've been solid, obviously, defensively as well. One goal conceded across the two games. Um, I think for them, they'll be probably champion at the bit a bit to to test themselves against Melbourne victory next month or to test themselves against some of the the teams outside New South Wales um but last year they they got off to a really strong start and they managed to they streaked down in front and then held on to to claim the plate so that that'll be great for them if they if they do that but yeah they they just look solid and it's a credit to them like the way players like a, a Taylor Ray for example have just stepped into the fold very casually well, not casually but stepped up um, pretty relatively flawlessly considering like how big those losses were. Teresa Polias, obviously, and, and Claire Wheeler as well, just, you know, just two-thirds of your midfield or your key midfield is gone. So they've done really well with that. Um, yeah, they. I mean, again, I don't know if I've, beyond them being able to fill those, those gaps, I don't think I've learned anything unexpected about Sydney. It's quite common to have players ready to step up and fill the void when you lose good players um so that's really pleasing for them um wanderers i think will have, have a bit of maybe soul searching to do after the first couple of rounds two games in no goals um just maybe wondering a bit where that's going to come from for them um i know it's not easy playing playing sydney fc but they'd um they'd probably be stinging a bit having not managed to really trouble the scorers as yet um again it's still very early in the season but I think they'll want to, yeah, just look that bit more dangerous. Because um, I mentioned, like, when you play a team like Sydney FC, you always know they're going to be a threat. Um, so it's it's a difficult one. Um, Angela, what did you make of the Sydney derby? Yeah, it's really annoying that Sydney are just like, yeah, we're here and we know, like, we play so well together and we're just like a whole cohesive unit and, like, <laughs> just Sydney things, you know. But, like, credit, credit to them, you know, and... I, like I think the question around that is like can they sustain that momentum last season they definitely did I think it was really just the the corny vine injury that put a chink in the armor there um so I guess good strength and conditioning the, I don't know sometimes injuries happen shit happens um yeah and I think for Wanderers they'll probably be they just seemed a little bit sluggish like not that first goal not great defending just seemed to have lack a little bit of focus so 
I think that will potentially be an area there they'd be looking to sharpen up. Um, really, but I really don't know if I have any sense of, yeah, what the Wanderers can bring because on paper they they are quite a good side. I don't know. They're not, what was it that Sam said last week? Not that, not that shit. <laughs> on, on paper so it is it is a little bit of a confusing one because they also I think start of last season they had quite a few players who were sort of hitting like Libby Copas Brown I remember had quite a good start Tegan Collister had shades of like really good football and so it's just like I guess replicating that and bringing that chemistry early that just it just doesn't seem to be clicking just yet um uh but they don't necessarily have the sort of star power like a team like victory does to just tide things over for the meantime while they're figuring things out so yeah we'll be I I will be interested to see how they go also my fun fact I said that I had a fun fact my fun fact is that Isabella Habuda has the same birthday as me the exact same birthday so um that's that's it I was just doing my Pepe de Silva spreadsheet with all the birthdays for the dub players because why not why wouldn't you want that on hand I know I'm, I'm Stasho Andy's. I want to be his apprentice. I want to see what his spreadsheet looks like because I'm sure it's immense. Honestly, same. Big shout out to Andy Howe for the the media guide. It is genuinely the most magnificent thing I've ever seen in my life. I'll plug it because you haven't, Angela. You wrote a little piece for Keep Up about the A-League women's round that was. And there was a Sydney player that you did highlight specifically. Would you like to talk a little bit about her? Hawksby, Mackenzie Hawksby. So she played a role in both of those um, goals for Seamson and she, and it was real cute. She was just delighted at both of them as well. And I think, yeah, she's been really dynamic, but it is that thing like they're already clicking. So it was her intercept so it was a poor pass from the Wanderers and she just zipped in out of there and just made this really sharp, quick um, pass to Seamson who was able to, you know, do that wonderful pirouette and score. And so, yeah, it's great to see her. I think she's, yeah, playing more like an attacking midfield, but she does tend to sort of drift wide a little bit. Um, but, yeah, if she keeps it up, I'm sure she'll be getting on the score sheet soon as well. And it's sort of like, again, a credit to Sydney you know, sticking with last year's sort of squad and sticking with what works. And just I think this season we'll see more of those players who had to step up last season doing really good things. Um, so Hawksby is just an example of that. And, uh, yeah, I call, you know, Vine, what was it? Last week was Vine time. This week was Hawksby hour. So there you go. <laughs> it was a good piece. So go read it. We'll give it a retweet. Don't you tell me to shut up when you you know, if I had written something, you would make me talk about it. Yeah. This, is, this is called Friendship, Angela. Jeez. Yeah, I know. For, for listeners, sometimes Marissa won't, like, retweet her own pieces and then I have to, like, log into the Twitter and do it myself and she'd be like, hey, logged into the Twitter and she thinks we're getting hacked every time and it's just me. <laughs> like, like it would be anyone else. Like, Sam doesn't know how to work Twitter. And... <laughs> It's not me. Google. Don't worry, she won't she won't hear this. She won't listen to this, guys. Faithful listeners. No, it's it's Google because you know how Google gets like real protective? It's like some bitch tried to log in <laughs> to your account and I wasn't having any of it. So that's what like it's Google- always Angela. It's never me. I I don't have access or I haven't you don't made want the access. effort to have access. <laughs> you don't want access. 
<laughs> oh Christ! But no, anyway, it was. Thank it, you, Marissa. It was a good piece. It was good. It was a good derby if you are a Sky Blues fan. Obviously, there's still a fair bit of season for the Wanderers to get things going, but we will see where those cards fall as the season progresses. We'll quickly kind of run through the rest of the game. So we started things off with Newey defeating the Knicks 5-1. Lots of goal scorers, the tallest woman in Newcastle, Tara Andrews bagged herself a brace. As Angela mentioned, Ava Pritchard uh, wrote a little bit of Kiwi history, scoring that first goal for the Knicks. I really regret doing the accent. I'm so sorry. You can't edit it out. I know. It's the worst. Know that I'm sorry, Kiwi friends. I... I blame Santo Sam and Ed personally. But the thing that we wanted to talk about with this Newcastle game was Emily Van Egmont, who has made a glorious return to the Jets for a short-term deal. We assume to kind of see her through to the Asian Cup. One, what did we make of her performance? And two, how do we kind of assess her stint in the sense that she looked very good, but the Jets can't really build anything around her because she's here for a good time not a long time so I will open the floor to either of you to attack either of those questions yeah yeah I think especially in light of um like victories super signings for example so we look at Lynn Williams and I'm like she's very good she's doing a lot of things but I feel like her move makes sense in Melina Ayres being out and so you sort of see a like for like replacement there Emily Van Egmond I don't like you're right she brings she's fantastic and she brings a lot of star quality and there was some I guess a bit of a sigh when she got signed because it's lovely that she's back in A-League women and that she's playing in the dub but it is also an interesting consideration in terms of her individual career trajectory. But on the other hand, I wonder if it's a good thing because she'll get lots of game time. She'll make, you know, play good games. She'll build up, build up her confidence and just like get back to doing, you know, the simple things right and playing in that creative attacking role that she loves so much. And I probably get a lot out of it. So I trust Emily knows what she's doing and I won't condescend to her, but you are right in the sense that like if she leaves or when she leaves actually, because it is a short-term loan, I just don't see how Newcastle are going to be able to fill that gap. Um, Yeah, because it doesn't, mm, yeah, mm, no, I don't. It's going to be interesting. I think that it's going to be more like, um, not to the same extent, obviously, because they've just got one Emily Van Egmond, but that everyone keeps comparing, you know, the the Western Sydney Wanderers um, situation a couple of years ago where they had some fantastic players who really did a lot for them. But when those players left, it was sort of just like there was no plan B. Um, so yeah, but I'm sure Ash Wilson is, um, very aware of that and is thinking things through. And I'm, it, it was mentioned in the press release as well, that she bring Emily Van Egmond brings a lot in terms of leadership and being able to help out those younger players. So maybe that's part of the plan as well as like, get her in there, get her teaching them things, showing them the ways of being a great attacking midfielder, and then that will be sort of the succession. Um, I don't know Newcastle Jets squad off the top of my head well enough to say who might be, you know, the person who steps in when Emily Van Egmond leaves or who's sort of being primed for that, but I'm guessing that's how it's going to go. It was a very long-winded answer. Harrow, take the floor, please. I mean, 
It is interesting. I think you've summed it up perfectly there, Angela. It's the luxury signing of a Lynn Williams for victory, like just they need to bank points. They know they've got an Asian Cup coming up. They will just go, let's play Lynn Williams and go like three points, three points, three points, three points, three points. You know, like that's that's what they want out of it. And they know they've got the quality otherwise to compete. Newcastle, yeah, it may be more of a you run the risk of creating a system dependent on Emily van Egmond and then struggle to fill that void after. Um, that said, wins are very good things for young teams. Um, it's one of those, you know, when you see in leagues like the AFL that have a draft system and people talk about, oh, but, you know, the, you have something on the line for finishing last, um, but teams still always prefer wins. You don't have that here. Like I know you don't have promotion relegation in, in our competitions here or in our top flight competitions here in Australia, but you can't underestimate the importance of of getting three points, especially with young players, learning how to win, getting that winning mentality. Um, and that's what they've been able to do. Getting five goals on the board in one game would have been huge for them. And I know she just had the one assist, but Van Egmond was really pulling the strings for a lot of that. Like she was, I just, it's not a hard thing for Emily Van Egmond to, to effectively beat up on a bunch of Kiwi teenagers and early 20s players like you would expect that from her that's kind of the bare minimum you expect and I think people do forget sometimes their quality that the goal she was scoring for West Ham and the the assist she was creating and just how potent attacking player she is um and we know that she's been capable of obviously doing that for the Matildas as well so I mean it's the bare minimum to expect her to be a standout player in the A-League women competition. But it seems like, at least for her, I don't know if it will be a full-blown win-win. I think it seems like it will be a win for her because if she didn't want to head back to Europe, she needed to be playing. That's the the very least you can expect. And I imagine this will be a, you know, bit of a here for a good time, not for a long time. And she can then move on to her next club move. I don't know if that will be in the States, whether she'll report back at the same time as Lynn Williams if she goes to Orlando. Um, or if she'll then consider whether she wants to go to Europe again. That's that's up to her. But um, for her, it, it seems like it works. She's been training with them in terms of keeping fit. So the logical move was, therefore, if she's happy and was keen to be back home, then it, it's working for her at the moment. Um, whether that's got good, whether it's going to be good for Newcastle in terms of longevity, I mean, I think Angela summed it up well. It probably isn't. But um, in terms of results at the tail end of this season, I mean, could she have a long-term impact in terms of lifting the standards or teaching some, or more so teaching some of these players about the standards you have to reach if you if you want to be a really good player, at least at this level? Yeah, it could be a really influential move. So, yeah, I think Newcastle kind of have to almost take the approach of let's make the most of it while she's here. Let's try and bank a bunch of points. We mentioned in terms of Melbourne City earlier, that, that those last couple of spots in the top four seem really wide open. Like Perth have made a good early start, um, Melbourne City have been solid and, you know, there's a few teams that are sort of on four to six points at the moment. It's it's wide open. So if they can make a good run on early with, with Van Egmont pulling the strings, knowing that that's not always going to be the case, then that's something for them. Well, maybe we've all been conned and it's like a short-term loan because and it's for the whole season because the season is short. Like it's like... <laughs> It's just some tricky wordplay from the Newcastle Jets and the leagues. I will say, though, maybe not as a Van Egmond replacement, but someone who has really impressed me in terms of just quality and creating things up forward. Marie Dolvik has been sensational. She was spectacular against the Knicks. She scored a really 
fantastic goal and, again, seemed to be really creating things, doing stuff up for it. So if she can continue that and if other players can kind of work around her, if you have, you know, your Tara Andrews doing the thing up for it and whatnot, there could be some signs, some positive signs post Van Egmond in the Jets. But, yeah, just wanted to note um, Marie Dolvik because I thought she was really, really sensational against the Knicks. Because Sam's not here, can you indulge me in one of my favourite topics of conversation? It's Emily Van Egmond related. Are we, are we're doing it? We're doing it. Why we're not? Do- you mentioned we're it before. It. Tara Andrews, the tallest woman in Newcastle, undisputed last season, clearly. Like, we knew she was the tallest woman in Newcastle. Like, she scores headers for fun. She scores goals. Great player. Very tall, clearly. Um, just refer to our Instagram if you need to see any references to this. But we have reason to believe that title could maybe be under threat, the tallest woman in Newcastle. And it comes from the Jets themselves. They posted a picture. I think it was actually an AAP special, so sorry to, to drag a colleague into this potentially. Um, celebration photo of one of Tara Andrews' goals. You know, teammates all around, hugs galore. Right next to Tara Andrews, Emily Van Egmond looks looks a little bit taller than Tara Andrews here. And then when you go to the ever unreliable source that is Google to search their heights, Emily Van Egmond, 1.79 metres, Tara Andrews, 1.75. I'm not saying that that's correct, that Emily Van Egmond is in fact the tallest woman in Newcastle, but it does give you something to think about or not think about, depending on whether you care. Um, So, yeah, be interested in Newcastle if you're listening, if you want to get them lined up and do the headshot special and we can know for sure that's your decision, not mine. But it's good to know there's a bit of competition. There's not just one tall gal in Newcastle. Sorry, I'm just imagining Harrow sending an email like, Dear Newcastle, can you please make Tara Andrews and Emily Van Egmont take their shoes off, stand back to back, heel to heel, butt to butt, shoulder to shoulder, and just take a photo. If if it happens to be behind if it happens to be behind a wall with measurements on it, that would be ideal. But I'm not gonna use a pencil pencil to mark it off. Just put them in the door frame of some door at Gen HQ. But no, this does play into a long-running thing that we've discussed but never actually on the pod about how tall the Matildas actually are. We're not going to get into it today, but you all have that to look forward to, us, you know, exposing just how tall the Tillies actually are. Anyway, let's continue talking about (laughs) other games. Let's move on to Perth getting another win over Brisbane. It was 1-0, as Angela said. It was Alani Anchevsky's debut goal. We love to see that as Victorians, a, a local gal. We love to see it. But, Angela, you it's kind of been the theme of this pod about how much we've actually learned about these two sides. So I'd love for you to just have a little a little chat about that. Yeah, it was um, unlucky, unlucky times for Brizzy um, because they were definitely looking to create opportunities and just weren't converting their chances for the bulk of the game. And then it was a, a, a freak, well, not a freak goal. Last week's was definitely um, a bit more like shocking with the own goal. But I think this week's, it just felt that much worse because of last week's result for Brisbane in terms of the deflection on the way through um, on Ilana Janczewski's goal. Um 
And yeah, that was in like the 87th minute of the game. It was a real late win for Perth and no doubt will do wonders for their confidence. They were also making a lot of opportunities. Like they seem like pretty evenly matched teams, but it is that whole thing of like, okay, well, we've seen them play against each other, but that really doesn't tell us much at this point in time. We need to see them play against other sides. So yeah, at the moment, it's a lot, lot of lot of question marks over both of them, but they both, I don't know, I'm excited. They, I saw enough of both teams to be like, yes, I'm very keen to see them play against other sides and to see what they do there and to see if, um, yeah, for example, I think for Perth it will be exciting to see them potentially get, like have things gel a little bit more and score early because they are quite gritty and looking to create a lot of chances and that sort of thing. So I don't know. Yeah, but it was just real, real bad areas for Brisbane, real unfortunate. Um, And, yeah, in such a short season, those two early losses can, as we've touched on, two early wins or two two early losses, those can have a massive impact on the rest of your run. So, um, yeah, hanging out for them to play someone that is not each other. And the final result of round two was Adelaide 2, Canberra 1. They left it late, the Reds, but Nanako Sasaki and Emily Condon combined to get that winner in the 91st minute. Harrow, quick thoughts on that game? Yeah, um, I think Adelaide probably would have felt they didn't really deserve to go 1-0 down. Um, the Michelle Heyman go on um, note Michelle Heyman. It was disappointing to hear a couple of times the commentary confused Michelle Heyman and um, Paige Haywood, who was playing for Adelaide United, I thought that was that was really disappointing. Um, yeah, that was not on, especially you know for one of the best players in W League slash A League women history, uh, Matilda, who's had such a incredible history in the game, and also disrespectful to Haywood, who was very good in her own right in the in that game. I I thought that was really poor and something that could be lifted in terms of in terms of the standards going forward. Just a little minor mid-review for you guys. Um, yeah, Michelle Heyman scored the first goal. Uh, Adelaide were up in arms thinking it was offside. I'd be inclined to agree with Adelaide that it probably was. But one of the, the best things, APL, if you're listening, one of the best things about the, the dub is that it does not have the VAR. So these things happen, swings and roundabouts, decisions don't always go your way. Certainly didn't deflate Adelaide, who probably would have been a bit disappointed that they got caught out for the goal anyway regardless um they did leave it late as you say it was an absolute banger of a goal from Sasaki just levered it like Fiona Wurtz would have been pretty disappointed to I think miss the first um attempt it was a, it was a good save but she sort of chipped it like <laughs> straight at uh Keely Richards um and you know made it a bit more straightforward than she needed to but it's it's bobbled out nicely and ball's been worked to Sasaki, he's just levered it and it was fantastic. Great strike. And then she's had another influential moment um, where she really improvised the, the dink over the top of the Canberra defence to Emily Condon, who's chested it down beautifully and just been so composed with the finish. Um, it was a really sort of delightful winner. Um, and it just, I think, also underlined what a quality player Emily Condon is and how great it would be to see her kick on. I, f- I feel like <laughs> this conversation comes around every season. You go, geez, it'd be good to see Emily Condon kick on. Um, one thing that may help in that regard is it looks like Dylan Holmes is going to be returning to Adelaide, which would be a big win for them. Um, I think she's just left Hucken and is expected to 
Maybe by the time this pod comes out, it will have been announced, but Adelaide seems their most likely destination given, you know, their history there. So that'll certainly help. But, yeah, it was good character from Adelaide. Canberra will be disappointed after a disappointing performance first up to go a goal up in this game and and then not only come away with a point in a tough away trip, but to to cop the late sucker punch would would really hurt. So, yeah, a bit, bit for Canberra to think on and very sort of defensive style of play as well. Um, I know they've got a lot of kids and maybe not quite the the depth of talent that, say, some of the other teams in the league can can call upon, but they would have been disappointed not to come away with uh, with a point there. But, yeah, Adelaide, I thought it was a good response, um, one after going a goal down, but also after copying that hammering from victory where they were in the game for a lot of it, but the scoreboard said they lost 5-1 and that's what happened. So <laughs> it was a good response from Adelaide and they've got a bit of a platform now to to build on heading into the rest of the season. They sure do, and they'll be looking to continue that in the next round. So just a quick look ahead to what's coming up in round three. We've got Western Sydney and the Jets at 5.05 on a Friday. (sighs) Fine. Melbourne City will be hosting Adelaide, so really interested to see after their kind of first few games how those two teams match up. We've got Brisbane Raw playing host to Melbourne Victory on Saturday, which should be an interesting encounter. And then Sydney hosting Wellington. I fear for Wellington if I'm being completely honest, but that also leads us to I've only mentioned four games because we only have four games in round three. Unfortunately, Perth Glory and Canberra United's match has been postponed due to border restrictions. It sucks that this is still unfortunately a feature of the league. It obviously doesn't just affect the women. The men's team as well are having to kind of juggle things on the fly. The leagues will be looking into how how they keep this competition going in spite of these border restrictions. So it's a, it's a quickfire boot to the WA border. How dare they deny us some dub? It's just rude. But, yeah, thinking of obviously the Perth girls, who knows, they might have to be spending some time away from Perth and obviously, you know, thinking of the leagues as well for having to navigate this again and come up with solutions so that we do continue running a season. So I'm glad it's them and not me because it just seems like an absolute nightmare. But we'll keep you updated when that game gets to be played and what kind of happens with those two sides. Yeah, it feels last season, obviously Perth did not have a great run and I feel like that definitely would have been affected by these circumstances. But I feel like it's extra saddening to see this sort of happen when they're having a good run and a good start of it. And Alex Apakis has obviously given this such a put so so much time into assembling a squad that can really compete this season. And I feel like, yeah, having these extenuating circumstances, that's got to take its toll and have an impact on performance. So really hoping that there's something sustainable that can be sorted for, for the team. But yeah, um, it was mentioned on Twitter. I can't remember by who, but like having a bubble is just not a possibility when you're still a semi-professional league and that's I think worth it reiterating like bubbles and hubs suck for everyone but sometimes they're not just not a possibility if yeah you have other commitments that are keeping you tied somewhere so yeah fingers and toes crossed for Perth really hope they can figure this out and I'm yeah 
giving side eyes to Mark McGowan because, like, come on, buddy. Come on. Not this again. Anyway, let's finish this podcast off with some how goods. Harrow, I'll start with you. It's it's the how good that <laughs> the world the world's how good. I'm I'm claiming it. I'm putting it forward. Please share a how good with us. I can't believe a how good can come like in December and be the best thing that's happened all year. But oh come on, everyone knows what it is. It's Sam Kerr bodying a pitch invader. It's just the best like thing ever seen. Like it's transcended like Woso Twitter, soccer Twitter, sports Twitter. I've I've seen people share this that wouldn't watch sport if you paid them to, which is rich because I get, you know, you get paid to watch sport. But anyway, like people that do not care about soccer, that do not care about women's football, um, would know who Sam Carey is, but like at a pinch, you know. I've seen this video shared everywhere. And I think the one thing, hang on, let me just, I'll go through the video first, just in case somehow, I don't know, have you been living under a rock? Have you, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, surely you're aware of this. If you're one of the people who were not aware of Sam Kerr bodying a pitch invader and you listen to the far post, can you like tweet at us? Because I'm intrigued. Anyway, so what's happened is in the Champions League match against Juventus, um, some pest, I think he was only about 15, has, has come onto the field and done the classic thing of just harassing the player. Security's been so slow, like not even breaking out of a jog, into a jog even, it seems, um, goes and he harasses Magda Eriksson, the Chelsea captain, for a, for a photo. And he's just not leaving. Like, she's told him to to rack off, clearly, and other people. Like, the crowd's booing him. They're shouting, wanker. Like, it's just everyone is getting stuck into this kid. Like, just get off the field. Just pull your head in. Get off the field. It's all taking far too long. You're just wandering around for seconds. And then... You see it come into vision and and full credit to Bradley Cox on Twitter who got the footage that everyone wanted because before that it was just Getty Images photos of this. You see Sam Kerr sees him and she's just like, had enough. It's like you imagine that you see like in the ring some bloke is just waving a red flag and a bull like over and over and over again and then the bull just goes, fuck it. Uh, That's what Sam Kerr does and she's eyeing him off like he's, may as well be waving a red flag he's pissed off her captain everyone's sick of it and she just sort of like is stepping away and you think oh she's just going to walk off and not be phased all of a sudden I'm watching it live I'm watching it again as as we do this guys she takes a couple of steps and then does this dramatic little run up and just turns and smashes him with a proper hip and shoulder like the sort you'd see in in AFL and that's been the comparison because obviously her older brother Daniel um, was a was an AFL star, and Sam grew up playing it as well. She has just absolutely clocked him like he has gone down flat on his ass. He's fine. He's not hurt or anything. Like it'll be a bit of bruised ego. Maybe you feel a little bit sore because she's just got him flushed like properly on um, a proper hip and shoulder. It, it's fantastic and. It's probably the least he deserved, to be honest, I think was the general vibe. The crowd loved it. Um, I, my, my view on it personally is that if you were a professional athlete or it'd be the same if you're an entertainer, say, in the theatre or something, if someone gets into your space and you're not comfortable, you have the right to get them out of your space. And um, I've seen people say they weren't comfortable with Kurt going the hip and shoulder, maybe because she was, I guess, the aggressor. I'm saying this 
quotation marks, but I think as an athlete, she has the right to, to get someone out of her space and um, talking about this during the week, because it's obviously gone so big. The obvious example is people go, Oh, but he's just looking to take a selfie. You know, he, he doesn't have a right to get on the, on the field. That's the big thing. He has no right to get in these players' space. And you don't need to look actually back that far to the Monica Sellers incident where someone has stabbed a tennis player on court, you know, like players have the right to, to defend their space. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think this kid's going to have a bit of a bruised ego. He's going to be okay. Um, but I think the reason why it had such cut through beyond just she's laid a big hip, hip and shoulder on a pitch invader, there's the Andrew Simons comparison where he he did the same to, um, to a pitch invader years ago. But the reason I think it cut through was um, so many women loved it because it was that feeling of if you're, I don't know if you're at a nightclub or if you're at a sports event or you're just in public and some bloke gets up in your face and she's just gone, no, nah, hip and shoulder, off you go. Um, for me, the the highlight of it all is that she's just not acknowledged it. <laughs> she's she's not mentioned it since. She's not liked tweets about it. Um, it's just grown and grown in terms of the viewership and people sharing it. It was trending in news everywhere and it was massive. I don't think anyone expected Sam Kerr dealing with a pitch invader to be like the biggest sports story of the day, if not the week, but it was, it was a viral moment that just went nuts. And um, yeah, we were all here for it. So Sam Kerr taking matters into her own hands. How good. So good. And I think just wanted to build on the point you made about how much it resonated with women. Once he kind of gets the, off you go from Magda Eriksson and stuff, the way he just saunters to the other side of the pitch, not a care in the world, oozing entitlement, I think we all wanted to give him a bit of a a bump. So I think that it really did resonate just from the way he went about his business and then obviously the way Kurt went about hers. It has spawned memes images, graphics, drawings, videos, the works. It's it's spectacular. So you just need to Google it and you will find them all because it's been absolutely incredible. And I think the serious note of it was, and I think Emma Hayes actually touched on it in her post-match press conference, was it just showed how lax the security were in that situation. Like this wouldn't have happened at a men's Champions League game. Old mate would have been on the floor and it wouldn't have been a player who had to deal with it. Like, Sam Kerr and Magda Eriksson really should have never been put in that position. And I think people, as I mentioned before, go, oh, but you don't need to. It's very different to like a, an eight-year-old kid or like being, you know, pushed out onto the field. We'll see if you can get a photo with Ronaldo. Like a 15-year-old enough to know what you're doing. Like there's going to be other opportunities if you desperately want a photo to take a photo of these players. Um, to to pitch invade, I think it's just you want the notoriety of it. You want the attention and as you said, Marissa, it was the it, it was the entitlement of it all. And yeah, maybe the kid will have a, a bit of a bruised ego to come out of it. But um, yeah, I, I didn't have any concerns with it personally myself, bar, as I said, the security not being quick enough on the scene to to sort out the whole situation in the first place because it just went on way too long. And even once Sam Kerr had, had dropped him, it took a while for he was able to just sort of run off again anyway. So it was um yeah. Yeah, that was the downer of it all. But otherwise, a worthy how good, I think. Very much so. Angela, a how good from you? Sorry, I just watched the Andrew Simmons bit. That is also excellent. I'm very glad that as part of this, I've been welcomed into this new cultural, other cultural moment. 
Um, excellent stuff. Once again, I have like an itty bitty how good to follow, like a massive, wonderful how good. But anyway, and this is like outdated as well. But my how good is um, finding out that about the A-Leagues song. So obviously I've been watching games and they've been playing this song on the outro and every time it played, I'd be like, this is funky. Wow, stock music is like they're really up in their game in that space. Turns out it's like it's a track that has been made, I guess, in partnership with some Australian artists, one of which is TK Maida, who I adore, and then it's got Young Franco, so he did the the, the beepy boops. That's his, he's a DJ producer. I think that's, yep, the technical term. Um, and then it also features a verse from Nerve, and I just love it. It's such a bop. It's such a good time, and I really appreciate the sort of, like, the music video as well and the way that it sort of reflects the sort of self-aware but like humorous culture of, you know, Australian football um, and is very playful and is very fun. So, yeah, a good time all around. How good to that, to that bop. It's called Real Nice, H, no wait, Real Nice brackets H-C-T-F. Here comes the future. That's what it, yeah, that's, that's what it stands for. Yeah. Real Jimat areas for me here. I'm like, what a nice oh. tune. <laughs> it's not I was going to say. What is it? <laughs> slow words um but no I was just to say quick boot because it's not here comes the future not to you this is not a boot to you the official tagline is here come the future which shits me to tears I hate it so much sort it out anyway not important but no it is it is a bop I do it's grown on me immensely what does TK sing then does she sing I have to find out to see if she sings comes or the come the future you know what I mean anyway. no she definitely says here come the future I'm, I'm oh. like I'm 99% sure of this she stuck to the brief there we go which you gotta respect the brief was bad it was not TK anyway yeah. I hope gonna... she got paid a lot as well <laughs> like I'm under no illusions that this was you know one of those opportunities for artists to get to get coins and in this economy go for it and thank you i i love the song i'm all here for it drunk the kool-aid <laughs> like i said it is a bop but that's enough from us this week uh thank you so much for tuning in hopefully we'll be back to four for next week to chat all things women's football but remember you can find us on espn.com.au and the espn app we're on spotify apple and google and all the other podcast places wherever you listen subscribe leave a review if you like what we're doing make sure you get all of the far post goodness straight into your feeds if you want to have a chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. So hit us up over there. But until next time, see us.